when I first started doing like those two 5Ks a week, for me, not really having any running experience leading up to that, it was it was torture. But it also it it opened my eyes to the fact that I was really living for my own comfort up until that point in every area of life. So at that point, I was a youth pastor and I was doing things to connect with with teenagers and to try to teach them and lead them the right way. But I was doing it in a way that kept me comfortable all the time. And it wasn't until I started pushing myself out of my comfort zone physically and doing things that were uncomfortable and seeing results in that area that I realized I need to start doing the same thing spiritually and not just do things that are comfortable for me. And so the whole time through, there is a direct correlation. When one would grow, the other one would automatically grow too. Running 100 miles seems impossible and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, but we believe in big crazy dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100, the podcast made to help you finish your first 100-mile race. My name is Jacob Bateman, and join along with me today, as always, is my beautiful and lovely wife, Melody. And as our guest today, we had BJ Herndon. Now, BJ went from a pretty non-active lifestyle for most of his life and ended up deciding to change things around, lost 40 pounds, started running, and ended up signing up for his first 50-mile race, which we're going to hear about. And he did this with a stress fracture. Now, we don't recommend you running your first ultra on a stress fracture. Obviously, um, that could lead to further injury. But BJ did it with the supervision of a doctor and still was able to finish his race, which goes to show things don't always go perfectly, but you can still get out there and push yourself. Now, BJ shares a unique and I think very important outlook about how physical and spiritual well-being are completely related and oftentimes work hand in hand, which once you start getting into the ultra running world, you do realize you often need reasons outside of just being physically fit in order to finish those races and make it through those tough training cycles. This was a conversation that I got a lot out of and that I needed to hear from BJ, and I hope you guys can feel the same. Enjoy. Well, BJ, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And we we are excited to hear your story because, man, you got like almost a David Goggins-like story here coming on running on stress, fracture, stress fractures through 50 miles. So we'll get there. We'll get there. But we are excited. So where did the the itch even come from to where you did want to sign up for that first 50-mile race? So... 
so many people that are into running later on in life. I hear them tell the story of, you know, their high school glory days running track or cross country or just being an athlete. I was not that guy. I was a band nerd. I did. Yeah. I was I was on the high school baseball team, but that was that the only running we did, we ran one lap around the field to start practice. And if we did bad the game before, we had to run two laps around the field. And so <laughs> I was never a physically active guy. I always kind of had a smaller frame and I felt like I would be good at running if I ever tried it, but I just never had the desire. And so then once 2020 hit and everything that to deal with that, I realized that I just, I wasn't as healthy as I could be. And just with the unknown and everything that happened in that year, I realized it was just an eye-opening experience that I needed to do something about my health to take control, just to put myself in the best possible position to stick around, to be available for my family. And if I did get sick, so I'd you know, have the highest chance of recovering from that. And so the start of 2021, a guy challenged some other guys across Arkansas to a six-week challenge where we just focus on physical and spiritual disciplines. And so there was push-ups, two 5Ks a week, and then eating right and drinking plenty of water. And so I started doing that. I hated the two runs a week, and but I started eating right. I did them anyway. I lost, over the next few months, I lost about 40 pounds. And I just kept doing that. I turned it into a lifestyle. And for that whole, it's going to sound bad, that whole first year, I hated every run I went on. But <laughs> every time I went running, it was, I pushed myself to the limit. It was as fast as I could go for as long as I could go. And it took me forever before I could run the whole 5K. And so once 2022 hit, I was still maintaining all of those disciplines. And I thought, you know, I really think there's something to this running. And if I learn to do it the right way, it's something that I could enjoy and maybe even get good at. And so I started doing research and that's where I learned about easy running and the different heart rate zones and that it doesn't have to feel like you're going to die. Every time you go out for a run, you could slow down and hold back and make it easier and enjoyable. And so once I started doing that, it was I mean, it changed everything. And I thought, wow, this is so nice. And I, I just thought of this earlier today. One of the things that first got me into running consistently was I joined this challenge. Some guys asked me if I wanted to sign up for it. And so it was called 5K a day for the month of May. And I did that last year. And so every day through the month of May, I went out and did a 5K. Didn't, you know, I only made two of them where I tried to push myself. The other ones were just an easy pace, but I was also slowly increasing my mileage. And so I was doing like they suggested, going up by 10% each week with my long run. And so by the end of May, not only had I done a 5K a day every day that month, but I averaged a little over five miles per day for that month because I just kept increasing wow. my mileage. And from there, I built up a good base and just kept it going. And uh, someone talked me into signing up for a half marathon. And so I did that in November of last year and 
ended up finishing that in an hour and 35 minutes, which I was pleasantly surprised by that. Pretty dang good. (laughs) And it was then that I realized, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't have just a lot of enjoyment with the short speed work, you know, trying to run super fast 5Ks, but I really liked getting out and experiencing things with longer runs. And I just got a greater sense of fulfillment the the farther I would go, the longer I would run. And so then I just started looking. I found some other races, 25Ks and things like that. But I thought, you know what? I want to, I don't want to do something completely crazy, but I want to do something pretty crazy. And so that's when I found the Washita Trail 50 mile run. I thought, you know what? I want to do that. So talked to two other guys at church and they signed up for it with me. And uh, yeah, training started from there. So, okay, I'm going to back up. I have a lot of questions. So the first question I have is, so you mentioned that you kind of ran, you did baseball, so kind of active in high school. First of all, what what instrument did you play in high school? Trumpet. 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 Hey, we both play trumpet too in high school. (laughs) Okay. But that's besides the point. I was just curious. So (laughs) yeah. When you said the whole, like you were in band, you didn't do any of the sports. I'm like, oh, Melody here is. (laughs) I I did karate. She's going to relate one-on-one with that. We we come from, that's why my name is Melody. I come from a big music family. Everyone did band plays instruments so anyways trumpets are awesome okay but my next question is did you do anything between then and then 2020 when you started running or or were you just kind of sedentary between high school and 2020 for the most part i was almost completely sedentary so i do like outdoor activities so i i like to go hunting a lot in the fall and winter i fish a lot and so it's not like I'm sitting around the house all the time. I was also a youth pastor for almost nine years. And so mm. hanging out with teenagers, they like playing games. We play ultimate Frisbee or football or whatever. And so I was doing some things. There was no consistent physical activity until 2020. Our church would put on a 5K normally. That was the only running I did. It was one day a mm. year. okay so so you were active but there's no like structured workout routine okay so so then you mentioned in 2020 you started you started working out because you wanted to lose weight get into shape you said that you started by eating better and drinking more water was that right yes what so what was it that you changed everyone's definition of eating good is different, right? So I'm just curious, like, what did you change about your eating habits that that helped you lose weight and get into shape? So for this, we did a six-week challenge. And the name of it is called the SoulCon Challenge. It's a six-week challenge Mm -hmm. for men. And so it lines out in the book. It tells you what is eating healthy and what is not healthy for you. And there are some dietary guidelines in the book. So, for instance, they have a rule, no carbs after 3 p.m. If you have any kind of carbs, it had to be complex carbs from vegetables. So, like sweet potatoes or something like that. No white potatoes. anything. So, that helped a lot. And I think about 90% of the weight that I lost was just because I started eating right. Because before that, I didn't have 
any kind of discipline when it came to what I ate. I mean, if I wanted to eat half a pack of Oreos right before bed, I would do it. If I want to eat a whole bag of chips right before bed, I'd do it. I didn't think anything about it. That kind of sounds it. awesome. Well, <laughs> it sounds awesome. That's <laughs> anyway, Melody's but, dream. <laughs> but, I mean, it caught up to me. And so that Christmas of 2020, that was the first time that I had ever stepped on the scales. And it was over 200 pounds. And like I said, I'm a smaller frame guy. And that was an eye-opening experience. And I just realized, okay, I can't do whatever I want and not expect to pay for it in some way. I've, I've got to change something. Right. Okay. That's awesome. So you said something that got my attention when you first started talking about your running journey. And, and it has to deal, I think, with the six-week challenge that you did. You talked about it was a challenge with physical and spiritual disciplines. Do you see those two things as connected? And if so, how? So I I do completely because for me, it was an eye-opening experience for both of those at the same time. Because when I first started doing like those two 5Ks a week, for me, not really having any running experience leading up to that, it was it was torture. But... <laughs> It also, it, it opened my eyes to the fact that I was really living for my own comfort up until that point in every area of life. So at that point, I was a youth pastor and I was doing things to connect with, with teenagers and to try to teach them and lead them the right way. But I was doing it in a way that kept me comfortable all the time. And it wasn't until I started pushing myself out of my comfort zone physically and doing things that were uncomfortable and seeing results in that area that I realized I need to start doing the same thing spiritually and not just do things that are comfortable for me. And so the whole time through, there is a direct correlation. When one would grow, the other one would automatically grow too. And so, yeah. I, 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 I like that. And I relate to that a lot. I've noticed in my own running, you know, what spiritual, mental, however way you want to put it. Like if you, if you're, if you're neglecting one side, you know, if you're neglecting that side, oftentimes my running and even my physical goals suffer because of it. And oftentimes they are so interconnected and you can connect it and your goals will grow exponentially together, you know? So I love that you bring that up. So Moving on, though, to this 50 miler. So you convinced a couple friends to sign up for that with you. Were they runners already themselves then? So one of those guys, he kind of unofficially became my coach. He was He's probably four, maybe five years older than me. But he he is the guy where he was a really good track and cross-country runner in high school and even college. So he's been doing ultras ever since then for a long time. So he's done all of the big races in Arkansas. Everybody knows him as the crazy runner. And it was kind of cool that I came, we crossed paths at the right time because he's been doing this so long. He didn't, I guess, didn't really have anybody that was doing these with him. He was kind of getting burnt out on it. He's, I think, 39 years old now. And so after doing it for so long by yourself, he was getting burnt out. Well, whenever I met him, I was just 
starting to think about running longer distances. And so I talked to him and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you want to do the Washita Trail 50 miler? I've done that several times. And so I, I said, are you planning on doing it this year? He said, no. I said, how hard would it be to talk you into doing that and sign up with me? And he said, if you officially asked me, it wouldn't be very hard to convince me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then we found another guy in the church. He was a young guy. He's, I think, 24 years old. And so he is a CrossFitter. And you're going to be able to tell exactly what I mean by that. Because whenever (laughs) I told him, it was the same night, I told him, I said, hey, me and David are signing up for this 50-mile race. You want to do it? He's like, sure. You know, he's just... (laughs) It was a challenge, and he was like, oh, I'm not going to turn that down. I was like, do you have any experience with running? He's like, not really, but I'm up for it. And so David, that had done all these runs, he did pretty good with keeping up with training. But then the younger guy, his name is Justice, he, he went on a few longer runs and didn't do so hot with them. And so his his perspective quickly changed to, Instead of instead of just feeling this pain every day training for it, I'll just delay it until the day of the race and just feel terrible oh, no. for that whole day. I guess that's one approach. That's David you know, Goggins' approach. <laughs> I I did yeah. one fifty miler that way, and it got me through it. But <laughs> which, which fifty? Uh, my second dead horse. Oh, I mean, I trained yeah, some, yeah. but I it was a terrible training cycle for me. Some Anyways. people roll that way. So you know? it can happen. It can happen, <laughs> but I definitely do not suggest it. And right. uh, much like much more likelihood of a DNF happening. Well, and he did. He did. He the did. the oh. turnaround point is at 26.3 miles. When he got there, him and David were running together. When they got there, he dropped out because he said, This is my first time officially running a marathon distance. I guess you could say he ran the ultra marathon because it was a tenth more than a marathon. <laughs> it so he said, I, he said, I'm happy with that. And so he had his wife pick him up there. And then the other guy I... had to run the second half back by himself. <laughs> See, you can't really fake a 50. I feel like you can yeah. fake up to a marathon, but past that distance, if you, you got to trade. Yeah. If you don't put in the work, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So how did you, I guess... What were like when you signed up for that first 50 and you start putting together that training plan, you know, what were your fears about, you know, or just your like, not even fears, but just, you know, things you were thoughts uneasy. and feelings yeah. going into this. Yeah. And, and how did you address like things like, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? The questions that you had and then how did you address it through your training cycle? So what's. What was really weird about this training cycle, looking back on it and even going through it, I had David send me a training plan for for a 50-mile race, one that he'd used in the past and said it worked well for him. And so then I sat down and I'm, I tend to be a really detail-oriented guy. So I sat down, mapped out on a calendar every day what my mileage was and effort, you know, what kind of run it was. So I have calendars up on my wall for all 16 weeks for every day. So I can just look at it, see what day it is and know, okay, we have an eight mile easy run today or a six mile tempo run or whatever. And then the long runs on the weekend. And so once I did that, my wife was very supportive and it was, 
it basically got put on our family calendar to do the the weekday runs. You know, they were normally six to eight miles a day. I would get up at 4 a.m. and I would get them done. My goal was to be done with whatever I needed to do by 6 a.m. so that I could be ready to help my wife and the kids to get them up and get them ready and out the door. And that worked great on the weekends. We knew that I was going to be running for a few hours on Saturday morning. And then Sunday morning, I would do the same thing. I'd get up super early and I would just get my runs done before church. And so we made it work. There were a couple of, you know, once I got into the the higher mileage, um, especially for the long runs on the weekend, there were times where I had the thought of, you know, how am I going to get this done? But it really came down to just scheduling it and knowing, okay, if I've got this distance, then realistically, it should take this much time. This is what I need to plan for it. But once I got out there, there was never a run where I had the question of if I could complete it or not. And that was what was kind of weird to me was I expected there to be a lot more doubts because, I mean, training for something like that, I'd never done that before. And I didn't know if I could do it. But once I got out there, there was never a doubt. It was just, I'm committed to doing this until it's done. And so if I had a 25 mile run on a Saturday, it was, I know about how much time that's going to take. And so I'd clear out the schedule. I just get out there. Once I started moving, quitting just was never a question or an option for me. And I was, I was surprised by that with myself that I didn't get lost in my thoughts and get to a negative place. I think that's awesome. I I think me and my dad were actually talking about this the other day, how once this becomes a habit, like once ultra running, it's, it's a lifestyle, right? You just learn that, you know, you just run in the mornings, Saturdays are for the long run, and it just becomes a part of your routine. And no matter how long the run is, you just go and get it done. It just becomes a habit, you know? So that's awesome that you got to the point where it's just okay, 25 miles, let's just get out and get it done. We'll just get it done. It just becomes part of your routine, you know? Yeah. Slow and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Slow good. and easy. Okay, before we move on, I do have a few more questions. I want to ask you about, about your training plan. So what resources did you go to? Like, did you just Google, like, example, 50-mile plans? Did you look at YouTube videos? Like, how did you do the research to build your own plan? So I had I had looked up a lot of that stuff because I get I mean I get super committed to things like that and so I I overly research everything and just overthink everything but whenever my friend David he sent me the 50 mile training plan I just I didn't even look at anything else once he sent that to me he said I've used this it works I said okay that's what I'm going to do and it I mean I think it peaked at 73 mile weeks, I think for the peak of the training. And so that meant there was a weekend at the peak of the training where you do back to back 25 mile runs, 25 on Saturday and 25 on Sunday. And then the next Saturday you do 30 miles, but then on the next on Sunday, it's down to seven and you start your taper. And so I just, I didn't question it. And I think that was one of the things that gave me confidence was he told me he'd use it and it worked for him. And so I just had the the confidence to say, okay, if it worked for him, it'll work for me. As long as I stick to what's on the paper, then I'll make it through the race and all that. And 
just didn't really question it. So you just stuck. So someone else made you plan. You just stuck to the plan. Did you ever deviate from the plan? Did you ever have to change it up or, or did you stick to it to a T? I got, I think it was probably week seven or so of the plan. I think I had the flu. And so there was two days, I think, that I didn't run that week. And then by the long run that weekend, it was pretty much gone. And I was back to sticking to the plan. And then uh, towards the end of the plan, right before the race, that's where I developed an injury. And that's where I started to deviate from the plan, which I had already completed all the high mileage weeks and the peak of the plan. So I was kind of tapering towards race day anyway. And talking to the, the friend that had the experience, he said, you know, you've already put in the work. So now you just don't want to do anything dumb, basically, to lead, yeah. to lead to race day. Okay, that's pretty impressive to stick to a plan that long, that that perfectly. <laughs> that, that's how we were too. And then we ran our first hundred. And then ever since we've like not been able to. Get <laughs> so now you said some pain started to arise before race day. Take us through what, what kind of pain were you having? And when did you start? When did it start being a concern for you? So it was after the back-to-back 25-mile runs. And for those runs, I made the mistake of thinking, I want to get these done as quickly and efficiently as possible. And so for me, that meant running them on pavement, where I can literally start out my front door and just stay, stick, on, stick to back roads all around town and get it all done that way. I don't have to drive anywhere. I don't have to slow down for the trails, you know? And so I did it and I got it done pretty quick, but I ended up paying for it. So after that, it was about two days after that. So I think on Monday or Tuesday that next week, I started noticing some pain in my left leg and it felt like it was kind of the side of my calf muscle. And so I thought I strained my calf muscle. And so I kind of, I talked to David and mentioned it to him and he said, yeah, don't push it too hard. He said, you know, as long as you can get in some sort of a run every other day, you should be able to keep the the fitness that you built up. And so I started doing that and it was, it was really weird to me at first to skip any kind of runs because I guess the downside of sticking to a training plan is that you start to find your confidence in your ability to stick to the training plan. And whenever Mm. you have to skip a day, then it's really easy for, for things to kind of mentally start to feel off. That's a really good point. Yeah. So did that start to happen? Were you getting in your head when you had to start missing days? Yes. Just because I knew I was at a place where I wasn't concerned about, completing the race because I already did the highest mileage weekends. And so I, I was, I felt confident I could get through it, but I was also at a place where if I could stay healthy and just finish out the plan, I really, I could have been really competitive at the race, which, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was my first ultra run. So I, I didn't feel like I had to be competitive, but I thought if I had it in me, then why not push and just see how high I could finish and how fast I can run. And right. so I have a, a one of my best friends is a physical therapist. And so 
He lives just a mile down the road from me. So when I started having leg pain, I went to him about it. And he's one of those guys, he's, whenever I told him what I thought the problem was, he would tell me, you know, what, how to, how to fix it or how to, to work through it. He didn't want to diagnose something the wrong way for me. So he was dealing with whatever I would tell him. So I told him, okay, I think I'm dealing with the calf strain. He's like, okay, well, if you strain your muscle, this is what you need to do. These are some stretches, you know, use the foam roller. This is what you do. And so then I went to his house. He looked at it. He said, oh, I kind of think it's something else. I did more research on the internet. I thought, okay, well now starting to think it's shin splints. And then as I was dealing with what was just kind of a mild pain, I noticed that the pain would continue even when I wasn't running. I mean, whenever I would stand up out of bed in the morning, I'd feel pain in my leg. Walking throughout Mm -hmm. the day, I'd feel pain. And just doing more research on Google, I thought what I read, it was looking more and more likely that it wasn't a muscle issue, but more of a bone issue. I started to get worried. And one night I looked up the difference between shin splints and a stress fracture. And every little detail I read pointed to it being a stress fracture. And then I had a really big decision to make. And, and I had a conversation with my wife that night. I said, you know, these past four months, I have spent every day training for this 50 mile race. And now it's looking likely that I might not be able to, to participate in it. And I was really struggling with the fact that if I would be okay with not starting that race and at least giving it an effort. And that was, I mean, I I really struggled with that because it was, I, I don't ever want my sense of identity to be in just what I do and what I accomplish, but I had worked so hard for that one goal. And then here yeah. I am the week of the race and I'm really thinking, okay, I think I've got a stress fracture in my tibia, in my left leg. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't know that it's smart for me to run the race on it. And so she said, she said, okay, well, get a doctor's appointment and see what the doctor says. So we have a, a family doctor in town that we trust a lot. She also has two daughters that are very competitive athletes on the high school basketball team. And so I went in there, told her what was going on, told her what I thought. And she said, okay, we'll take an x-ray of it, which if it's a stress fracture, there's a good chance an x-ray won't catch it. But this time it did. She said, yeah, you see those diagonal lines? That's a stress fracture. That's not supposed to be there. And so I said, okay. I said, I "I need to talk to you 50% as my doctor. 50% 50% as a coach. She said, you're talking to the wrong person. I said, no. I said, I don't, that's why I came to you. I said, what do you say? She said, okay, well, here's the deal. She said, your, your body is already prepared for the mileage. She said, the stress fracture is small enough that you would have to fall with an incredible amount of force to make it worse or to go ahead and break your bone. She said, you just might have to change your goal from being competitive to just completing it. And she said, but said you make the decision. It's all on you. But she said, I'm fine with you doing the race and then whatever we need to do to treat whatever happens afterwards, we'll deal with it after the race. 
And I said, okay, I guess we'll do it then. <laughs> First of all, that's an awesome doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I wish all doctors yeah. would be I've, that understanding I've, of athletes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like Melody went to a doctor. She was having an issue the week before our first hundred. And that doctor was just like, uh, you shouldn't he's like, do don't, it. Just don't do don't it. Do don't it. Do it. And I was but, like, like, I've been training all year <laughs> long. And he's like, just don't do it. <laughs> so that that's awesome. And and I like how she was like, it's up to you. Like, here's the risks. We're probably, you're probably going to injure yourself. We're probably going to have to rehab it afterwards. But if it's worth it to you, like, go for it. Yeah. I, I, I just love that because, I mean, I think everybody's got a story with an ultra. It never goes as planned, you <laughs> know? And anyway, so when you receive this news, okay, she told you, you can do it. Just don't push it too hard. So you're not going to be competing, but you can complete it. Wait, wait. Be, before that happened, I'm just curious. When you realized you had a stress fracture, was there any piece of you that actually felt relief? Like, this is a really good excuse to not do this run. No, because I, honestly, <laughs> honestly, what I felt more than anything was guilt because mm -hmm. I convinced the two other guys to do it and they weren't excited <laughs> about running like I was. <laughs> I talked them into it and then here it is the week before the race and I've got a legitimate reason of why I can back out, but they, <laughs> they still do it. <laughs> I thought, I don't want to put those guys through that and then me not be there to support them and go through the same pain they're going through. And <laughs> that was honestly yeah. a lot of what I was feeling. Yeah. That makes sense. That's understandable. <laughs> so then what, what was your game plan then? Like, you know, after hearing you have a stress fracture, like what was your confidence? Like, you know, as you're getting to race day now, day before the race, how, how are you feeling knowing that you're about to, go do 50 miles for the first time with a stress fracture well so leading up to that i did a couple of runs to test things out i also got some new trail shoes that were super cushioned they were the what are they saucony exodus ultras and okay. so i tried i tried those out i'd been running in the ultra lone peak sixes you know, with zero drop and all that. But after talking about physical therapists, he's like, you know, you probably need all the cushion you could get away with for a trail shoe if you're going to be doing this, especially given the circumstances. And so I'd got in a couple of runs. And the crazy thing about what happened with this stress fracture is whenever I would go out and do a run, it would hurt like crazy the first like 20 seconds. So whenever I'm just getting started building up speed and momentum, I mean, it was like an eight or nine out of 10 on the pain scale. And then after that, it would go down to like a one out of 10. Like it was light enough. I could mentally completely tune out the pain. And so I thought as long as that doesn't change on race day, I should be in a pretty good place. And my doctor did get me some mild pain medicine to take before the race. And so I did that and that really helped take the edge off at first. And so I don't know. I thought, I thought as long as somehow it just doesn't get worse through the race, I can probably still do all right. And so I don't know. I thought there was a chance I could still be competitive in it. Maybe not as fast 
as I would have been, but I thought I could still push pretty good. Yeah. Were you worried at all about injuring yourself more? Yes. Yes. And in fact, so much so by the time we got to the turnaround point, I was, I was just about ready to throw in the towel. But, but yeah, there is a, there is a cool story that happened with that too, but we can get Make into that in a second. Like, story time. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'll just kind of do a quick recap of that race to get to that point. So we started off and I knew that the two guys that I talked into running it, they weren't going to be pushing near as hard as I was. They hadn't trained as hard as I was. So they started off like the very back of the line. And so even before we started, they were hanging way. They, they, you know, the timer hit zero, we start running and I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Like even that initial wave of pain at the start wasn't really there. And so we start running and I slowly, you know, I don't want to overdo it, but I had a game plan. In fact, I had so much of a game plan. I had, I had an Excel document where I had every mile of the race listed out and what I thought my pace was going to be for every mile. And then the next column was added that up to the time that it would be. And so I shared that with like my wife who was going to meet me at the halfway point. But I said, if you want to meet me at any of the other aid stations, if I'm sticking to plan, this is when I'd hit this mile mark. And this is when I'd be here and here, blah, blah, blah. And so we start going. And for one, one of the first things that happens is my watch starts to glitch. So I'm running and I know I'm pushing myself a little bit, but I look down and like at first it's saying I'm running at like 630 pace. (laughs) And I'm like, I know that's not true. I'm I'm nowhere close to that. And so we start going, but I'm still hanging up, hanging at the front of the pack. And so we had a couple of miles of pavement at first before it hits the trail. And then at the four, about the four mile mark, you hit Pinnacle Mountain and Little Rock. And so you have to run up the steep side of the mountain where there's not even an official trail there. It's climbing over boulders. So like you're on your hands and feet just climbing up. But I'd practiced that a lot. I passed four or five people going up that. We get to the top of the mountain, then you've got to run back down. And it's, for Arkansas, it's a big mountain. It's close to a thousand feet of elevation. So I know for other places, that's not that big, but that's about as big as we get in Arkansas. And so we go up there, get to the top, and I knew I'd pass some people, but I knew there were other people that I hadn't seen since the start. We go down the other side, then we go out there and hit the trail. And after we hit the trail, we got to about mile eight or 10. And we go there and I I stop for a drink real quick at the aid station. And I asked the guys, I said, okay, so how many, how many guys have you seen come through? And they were like, well, we've seen two guys for the 50 miler and one guy for the 50 K. I thought, are you kidding me? Like I was in third place for the 50 miler at that point. <laughs> and I held that. I held that until about the 20 mile mark. Wow. And, and actually nice. one of the tough, one of the tough things about the race is that, so there is, there was a 50 mile race and a 50 K. And so they both run the same thing. But then once you get to 18 miles, the 50K has a turnaround. They run back. And you can drop down. If you sign up for the 50 mile, 
you could drop down to the 50K at any point during the race. So when we get to the 50K turnaround, there was only one 50K runner ahead of me. And I thought, I mean, I was starting, I was starting to feel the effects of it and starting to slow down. But I thought, man, if this was the halfway point, I think I could keep pushing, you know, just to do this again and probably finish really good. But it was, it was just a fleeting thought because I thought, no, I signed up for the 50 miler. I'm not going to, I can't change that. And so I kept going and I knew it. I guess you could say I hit a wall after mile 20 and it got really, really hot that day. It hit, I think it hit the low eighties and it hadn't hit that yet for Arkansas. So none of us out there were prepared for that. And um, after that, like I got to an aid station and there was a guy, a young guy that had flown past me earlier. He dropped out right there, right in front of me. And I thought, oh man, like this is, is getting to people. And my leg was starting to hurt a little bit more that a little bit of pain meds was wearing off. And so I made it to the halfway point to the 26.3 mile aid station, the turnaround. And whenever I got there, my wife was there, her brother was there and my mom was there along with the aid station crew. So whenever we got there, I got there, they got me a chair. I sat down. They said, okay, how are you feeling? I said, I said, I think I'm done. Like, really? You're done? I was like, yeah. And they're like, why why are you done? I was like, well, my leg's starting to hurt and I don't I don't want to do anything stupid about it. And you know, I've already ran a marathon distance now, and so I don't feel like I've got anything else I gotta prove. Like I I think I'm done. And and so then they were just like, okay, if you say so. But then the aid station worker comes over. And of course, these guys have all the experience with running and helping people get through. And he's like, he's like, what do you mean you think you're done? I was like, I just don't think I can go on. And he's like, well, why's that? So I told him about my stress fracture. And he's like, so is it hurting? I said, yeah. He said, okay, well, let's get you some pain meds. So they got me some more pain meds. I took that. And they're like, what else can't you go? And I was like, well, I'm running out of energy just because it's so hot. And I don't feel like eating anything. He's like, well, you're sitting down. Like, how does the cheese quesadilla sound? I said, okay, I'll take a cheese quesadilla. So they bring me one of those. I started eating. I'm like, what else? I'm like, well, I just feel like I need you know, more hydration. I'm like, okay, we'll get you all the water and Gatorade you need. And it was just every excuse that I had. They just took them <laughs> one at a time and eliminated it. And he said, he was like, you're hours ahead of the cutoff time. At that point, I was still in, I think, eighth place overall, even though wow. I slowed down considerably. And honestly, the, the thought that I had of why I was considering quitting so much is because I knew I wasn't going to be able to push very hard for the second half. And I just didn't want to make my family sit around and wait on me till nighttime when they had already came all the way out there to support me. I was like, that's going to be miserable for them sitting around in this heat. And again, it wasn't ever, I never had the question of if I could complete the mileage or not. I just, for their sake, I was like, no, I'm done. I don't have anything else to prove. But whenever they got there and they said, no, no matter how long it takes, you signed up for this, you trained for this, you do it. I was like, okay, okay. Y'all might have to wait all day, but I'll do it. So Your family gets used to it. (laughs) So I, I ended up at that aid station for 15 minutes or more. And then, you know, they took care of all my excuses. And then I turned around and headed back out for the trail. 
Man, way to keep going. And also, what awesome aid station workers. Yeah, like that, shout out to those guys. That guy is a top notch, you know. Just he, he's probably ran an aid station or two. Yeah, yeah. He's done it a while. He's figured out oh, yeah. find out what the excuses are, take them away. <laughs> oh yeah. He was awesome. Yeah. And that's great. You have such a good support system in your family too. That, that they were willing to wait for you and and that they were willing to just be there and support you, whatever it took. So that makes a big difference too. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So how did the second half go then? Was it just a slow grind to the end or how'd that, how'd that transpire? It was a slow grind to the end because I knew that I needed to take in more calories, but it just got so hot and humid. And there was such a big gap between aid stations that I was afraid of pushing too hard and running too much and just collapsing or something out there because I mean, in my training, I'd never ran more than 30 miles in a day. And I, I trusted the training to get me through the race, but I'd never actually done it. And so I was, there was that kind of the, just the fear of the unknown. Um, but I, I guess my mantra for the second half was just keep moving. No matter what, just keep moving, keep moving. And so even if it was a walk, which a lot of the second half ended up being a walk, I, I made up my mind to keep moving. But what I did was, Anytime I got to just a really flat section and especially a downhill, I made myself start running the downhills just because I thought that's too efficient energy wise for me to just hold myself up and walk down the downhill. And so I made myself just let gravity kind of take over going downhill. And so I ran every one of those, which I mean, it was rolling hills the whole way. So there is a bunch of downhills too. But again, it was one of those. I, I tried to stay in a good space mentally, but I knew that second half was a grind. And so I completely tuned out miles 30 to 40, I believe. Like, I don't have Just any recollection. Like you weren't even in your body. <laughs> right. It, like all I had, the only thought for the, however long that took was just keep moving. And so I just turned my brain off and just went on autopilot. And then by the time I hit, about mile 40 I thought okay I've got about 10 miles left and so I just kind of thought of you know where do I need to be at this time and how far is the next aid station I started kind of re-engaging and doing math and all that so (laughs) yeah hey that that's a strategy I think it's it's good to learn how to disassociate and kind of Get out of your I know, body. I know bit. some people are like, you got to stay present, stay present. But yeah, I do think I know a lot of my training runs. I just, I just zone out. Sometimes like, you just need I, to. Sometimes I'm just like, I just, yeah, let's just stop thinking about everything and let's just run. I mean, you know? as long as you're, it's, you know, you don't become so disassociated that you don't recognize like, predators around you or you don't like walk off a cliff or something <laughs> right so you said you were struggling to get calories in i think that's the struggle of 99 percent of ultra runners what did you do in that second half to get enough in so that you could finish well my biggest fear was hydration and so you know i had the run and vest on with the soft flask one of them i made sure was full of water every aid station I went to full of water. The other one, I always had them filled up with water and then I'd put an electrolyte pack in there and I always made sure whenever I got to another aid station that both of them were empty 
and right before I got there, just to make sure I'm taking it as much as I could. Yeah. And I also had those the goo gels. I would force myself to take at least one, ideally two of those between each aid station, even though when you're so hot and sweaty, the last thing you want to do is eat something that's just that thick because all you yeah. want to do is drink water. Yeah. And, but I, I forced myself to do it anyway and wash it down with some water. And then whenever I got to aid stations, they had really good food there, but I was just so thirsty. Nothing that was real food sounded good, but fruit sounded awesome, especially mm. oranges. I like oranges. I never just went crazy about oranges, but every aid station I went to, I ate every orange they had out there. Like I'd hand them my water bottles to fill up and I would just find the oranges and I would eat every one of them because I mean, they were sugar, <laughs> they were cold, juicy. And I was like, Oh wow, this is the best thing ever. And so <laughs> that was it. Like all my calories just about came from oranges the last <laughs> miles. Yeah, your vitamin, awesome. your vitamin C intake for the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you didn't get sick afterwards, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Then, well, so then what was it like finishing that, going across that 50 mile finish line for the first time? Ah, well, it was, it was exciting. But so I knew my family was there. And the last couple of miles, they were texting me and they were trying to encourage me. And, you know, we started out with a couple of miles of pavement. And so we ended with a couple of miles of pavement and I had done a lot of running training for that on pavement. And so that should have been where I could fly, but I was just so tired. And some of the roads were so long that, I mean, I was all the really fast people were already way ahead of me. The slower people, I mean, I got to where I could see like a mile down the road behind me. I couldn't see anybody. And I was like, what is the point in pushing any harder than I have to to finish? But whenever I saw them, of course, they had their phones out. They were recording. And so I thought, I've got to at least look like I'm running coming into that you know pavilion area and crossing the finish line. And yeah, I crossed and it was such a relief. And probably like every runner out there, the first thought that I had whenever I crossed the finish line was, well, I could have pushed a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was like, I, I didn't have to walk as much, but no, it was such a relief. And then the, the race coordinator was there. They had a sign that we could hold. It said, I think it said, I am ultra. It said, you know, my first ultra run. And so, you know, they went around and my family was there with their phones, taking pictures, holding the sign, having the, just the little finishers medal thing. And so it was awesome. They had a chair for me. I'd sat down there. They got me lemonade and they had free hamburgers for us and chips. And so it was, it was awesome that in one way, the, the torture at the end was over, but man, it was such a great sense of accomplishment. As soon as I crossed the finish line, I was so, so glad that I didn't quit at the halfway point and I kept going. I was like, yeah, it was worth it. Whatever recovery is going to look like, it was worth it. That's awesome. Cause that was going to be my next question about, you know, you felt like you had proved what you had to prove at the halfway point, but so you said it was worth it to go through that second half and to feel and experience miles 26 through 50. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad I, I finished it. That's great. And, and did you, did you eat 10 more pounds of oranges when you're done? 
No, there there were no oranges at the finish line. I mean, they had all the food, the real food that they had made for us, but there were no oranges. But that was fine because at that point, I mean, there was all the water that I needed. And so I was good with eating real food then. And oranges were there for a, a specific time and a place. And that time and place was over. And so I was there with the real food. Know. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So what does recovery look like now that you're done with your 50? Did you mentioned in the beginning that you're in a boot? What do you do now to, to take care of yourself and recover? So. Again, like I said, it's really hard to not tie your identity to what you do because so many people the past year have just said, oh, look, there's the runner. And so now recovery is I've got to be in the walking boot for four weeks. So with no running, no lower body physical activity of any kind, Even, even with walking, it's only do what you have to do. The good thing about that is I've still been, you know, I've learned a lot of disciplines over the past couple of years with all these things. And I don't want to let that slack off, even though I can't do what I've been doing and what I get excited about doing now. And so I've still been making myself wake up in the morning and doing upper body workouts, you know, arms, shoulders, back, chest, core, all that stuff. And I've got two more weeks in the walking boot. So after I get the walking boot off, I'll go in for another doctor's appointment. Everything's good, which so far the pain in my leg is already gone. I'm just sticking to the doctor's orders now. If everything's good, I can go back to low impact activity. So I'm going to plan on cycling as much as I can pretty much every day. I went, I got on a Facebook marketplace and got me a new mountain bike to ride. And so I'm going to be that guy going all over town on the bike for a month. So so I'll be off of running for eight weeks total if everything goes according to plan. So by the middle of Ju- June, I can slowly start easing back into running. Awesome. Well, way to stay active. That's something that, you know, I always tell people they have a shoulder injury or a knee injury. And, and I'm like, just, there's so many other things you can do. You know, if you can't do lower body, you can do upper body. If you can't do upper body, you can do lower body. So way to to stay active. And and maybe I'm a big believer in like everything happens for a reason. And maybe this is like a blessing in disguise and you're going to get the upper body and core strength that you really need for the next adventure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, it's been, well, for one, it's also helped me grow mentally too, because what I liked most about running and what I am looking forward to with cycling is, you know, I just, I love being out in nature and I love experiencing things. And so for me, whenever I'd get up in the morning and go on a training run, it was kind of like the reward for doing that was just everything I experienced when I'm out there. The change of scenery, everything's different. Even if you run the same loop every day, you get to see different places and you never know what's going to happen outdoors. And that's what I, that was the reward for it. Well, now all I can do is work out in my garage where it looks the exact same every day and I don't have that reward. So I feel like there's some mental toughness that is getting built up in this season as well that will probably pay off in the long run too. That's a good point. Yeah. So even if the workout's not fun, you're still getting it in. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, I think because there comes a point in every ultra where it's not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we do have to build that up. So what is your, once you're healed up, what's your running plans moving forward? So I've got a couple of optional races that I'm looking at that aren't going to be as far as the 50 miler at first. But one of the things that I want to do, it would for sure be an ultra if things go according to plan, but it'd really be a test of my mental toughness. I think it's the day after Thanksgiving. There is a 6, 12, or 24-hour endurance run, and it is a one-mile loop. And whatever whatever time frame you sign up for, it's just how many loops you can make, how many miles you can get in in that amount of time. And so I really want to sign up for, depending where I'm at physically then, I really want to sign up for either the 12 or the 24-hour one just because I know that's going to be such a mental challenge to get through that. But the guy that won the 24 hour challenge in Arkansas last year, um, I believe he did 73 miles and he was 81 years old. Wow. That and is so awesome. I thought, I thought surely I could run farther in 24 <laughs> hours than an 81 year old guy, but I don't know. He's probably worked his whole life to get to that point. Some of those 81 year olds. I know. (laughs) I don't know how they do it. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. And did you say that you have a hundred miles planned in the distance as well as a long-term goal? Yeah. I, I thought about trying to go for that this year, but my wife reminded me that this is still just really my first year of actually getting into running. And so I probably needed to slow down a little bit. She said, just have one big destination race a year. So 2024, it's on my bucket list to run the Arkansas Traveler 100. That's what I'm talking about. You'll have to keep us updated on that and and And, how it's going. And how do you feel after running 50 miles, thinking about doing another 50 after that? Well, so I've, I've talked to some guys and they say, there's a huge difference if your mindset is to be competitive or if it's just to complete it. Uh, because they say if, if your goal is to go out there and complete it, it's probably not going to push you near as hard as if your goal is to just push yourself to the limit the entire race. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I could... I don't know. I'm at a place where I'm I'm too competitive right now. And so I don't think I could just go out there and <laughs> and just race the cutoff clock at this point. Like I I don't know. If I'm gonna do something, I just I'm gonna you give it all I've got. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. I like it, you know, to really, you know, if you're gonna run this race, then you wanna run that race and get the best possible time you can get. I respect that. Yeah. That's awesome. I I respect that. And for some people though, maybe it's the course that they choose that they choose a, a really tough race, you know, that they know just completing that is gonna require the best, you know. And, so and I think it's different personalities yeah. too. I, I think there are some people who are just more competitive and that's yeah. part of the excitement and enjoyment for them and um other people where they that just doesn't matter to them and they're totally fine just being slow their whole lives and just beating the cutoff every time and just getting out and doing it, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is since I've done the 50 mile race, 
there hasn't been one person that has really asked what my time was or what place I finished in. They, I told them I ran 50 miles and that's enough. They don't ask yeah. 50 miles. That's crazy. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, I think it means more to each person individually than what anybody else yeah. cares, you know? Yeah. For sure. And, and we don't have to tell civilians that we, <laughs> that we walk most of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. That could be our secret. Of walking that yeah. happens. Yes. So BJ, before we let, we let you go, we got a couple more questions, but first off, we ask every guest this, what is your top piece of advice for someone who comes to you and says, Hey, I want to run my first ultra BJ. What advice do you got for me? Oh, goodness. Well, for one, this isn't the big advice, but this is for sure a piece of advice is don't do too much running on pavement too quickly or else you'll pay for that, especially if you're training for a trail race. Get on the trails, even if it takes more time, that's going to be better for you in the long run. It'll help you avoid the big injuries that could potentially knock you out of a race. But also, just, I mean, if you're interested in doing something like that, then sign up for it and just commit to it because that was eventually where the the headspace that I had to get into was I'm just committed to to finishing this no matter what it, no matter what it, how long it takes or what it costs me even at that point, you know, even if it meant a longer recovery time or whatever, I I wanted to get it done. I didn't even necessarily have a really important why just just because it was a goal that I set for myself just so that I knew that I could set goals and see them through to completion and so yeah sign up for one and commit to it whatever it takes yeah I love it if you commit to it you'll find a way to get it done yeah yeah don't let anything stop you and I actually like that you brought up money too I, I think a lot of people are worried about you know, I mean, like a hundred mile race, some, some entries are, you know, 300, $400, you got to buy the food, the gear. And, you know, I think that's something that stresses a lot of people out, but don't worry about that. One step at a time. One step at a time. Yeah. 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 Just get out, start running, and then you'll figure out what you need as you yeah. grow through experience. So BJ, you also have a help and run coaching business. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yeah. So. <clears throat> You know, like I mentioned before, I was a youth pastor for nine years. And so for the majority of that time, it was when I was living that lifestyle of just living for comfort, my own comfort, really. And after I realized how much of an impact just taking control of of your life physically, how much of an impact that made on my life spiritually, I thought, you know, people need to realize that. And so I, I set up this business. And my goal really is I want to work with ministers, ideally, just to help them experience the same sort of thing, to realize that for so many of them, they've got their spiritual life where they have disciplines. But if they don't let those disciplines carry over into their physical lives, then there will be limitations that limit what they can accomplish spiritually and in ministry as well. And just whenever I started to take back control of my health and get myself in a good place physically. I mean, I began to dream so much more in the ministry world and 
learn what it meant to trust God in an even greater way. It was like the more I could do on my own physically, the bigger uh, my, my picture of what God can do became. And so that was what I want to help other people experience is just, you know, even if you are in the church world doing all the church things right, you know, if you don't get the physical stuff right as well, you're going to be limited on what you can accomplish. And so, yeah, I, I went through, actually went through CrossFit and became a level one certified CrossFit coach just so I can have training to help people with, you know, those basic weightlifting movements and things like that. And just, I really agreed with just their nutrition philosophy as well, because it lined up with what I've experienced myself. And then just with running, same thing. There's some guys that, you know, kind of look up to me with how I progress running wise. And so I, I thought, well, you know, if people can learn from what I'm learning from, then yeah, I'll just help them along with the journey too. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's so cool. That is, that is, I love the, you know, how physical expect we hit on this earlier, how physical affects spiritual and spiritual can affect physical and vice versa. Yeah. I think, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're a very thorough guy. So uh, if I was having you as my coach, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned about any details being missed. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Anyways, people wanted to look you up or, or find that. Where could they find you? Yeah. So that company, that I started is called Live for Eternity. And so the website is liveforeternity.life. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes too for anyone listening. Awesome. And are you on Instagram as well? I am. I am on Instagram at bhern29. And also I, I put some almost daily encouragement up there too on Live for Eternity on Instagram as well. Perfect. We'll put those links in too. And I did follow you today. So you got one, one new follower. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you, BJ. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You got an awesome story and an awesome outlook on running and just life in general. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, with keep us. us updated on, on your hundred mile journey. Let us know how it goes and hopefully you recover well and quick. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for letting me come on and share. So a big thank you goes out to BJ Herndon for joining us here on the pod. That was great. I really enjoyed that episode. Good guy. For sure. So I really liked that episode, too. I think what BJ, BJ kind of rebuked me without him knowing he was rebuking me. Yeah, You know, I actually felt the same. I was like, man, I need to bump up my spirituality. That was <laughs> like exactly, this after listening to this. That was exactly it. So <laughs> like BJ talked about how he's he's out helping ministers who are spiritually disciplined, but not very physically disciplined. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to show them how their spiritual disciplines needs to transfer over into their physical discipline. And it works the other way around. And my issue, what I think I need to work on is I've got a pretty good physical discipline right now, but I think my spiritual discipline has suffered. Yeah. And if I executed... <laughs> As we walked home early from church on <laughs> Sunday, because we were bored. <laughs> We went to part of church, guys. 
But yeah, we we just skipped out on Sunday school. But (laughs) I'm just honestly, that's not even the part that I'm getting at. It's just in my daily stuff. Yeah. You know, like I, 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 you know, I run every day, have to get my run in, right? Mm -hmm. Have to get my stretching in, you know, like what if I thought the same way about, you know, reading my scriptures and saying my prayers? Right. And, and for listeners, you know, whatever meditating. religion you are, maybe whatever, however you practice spirituality, if it's meditating, yeah, like you yeah. said, or writing in a journal. Yeah. But whatever way, you know, to get yourself spiritually and mentally right, you need to execute that discipline. And when you start... When you start instituting that discipline into all aspects of your life, then your physical discipline is just going to excel even more. It's about a balance, right? If if one thing is out of balance, it's going to affect everything yeah. else. And uh, honestly, that's my takeaway too. I was going to say the exact same thing. I'm like, man, I, and and also maybe this isn't the best motivation, but some motivation to improve my spirituality is to be a better runner. <laughs> and I feel like that shouldn't be the motivation, but uh, well, if you're just feeling better about yourself in general, like right. physically being physically fit helps you feel better about yourself, but it's not everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's so much more that just goes into overall health. And so you mm-hmm. got to institute that, that same sort of discipline that we're learning into hundreds. And I think that's, that's honestly why I run a hundred miles. Why, why I run ultras is I don't just want to just run a hundred miles because it's cool. I want to run a hundred miles because I want to create healthy habits in my life that are going to positively affect everything in my life. And I want those, the same discipline it takes to run a hundred miles to be in my life for everything as spiritually, mentally with my job, you know, with my family, all of that. Totally. And that, kind of along the same lines, I feel like running ultras kind of forces you to take care of everything else in your life because, because it is so physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually draining. I mean, it's, it's a big commitment. Running a hundred miles is a big commitment training for that. It, it takes a lot of time. It, it takes a lot of work. And when you're lacking in other areas of your life, you're going to fill it. You're going to fill it on the long run. You're going to fill it on your daily runs. And it, it kind of forces you to eat well and to get enough sleep and, and to take care of yourself on the other areas or else your, your training is going to suffer. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, Big thank you to BJ for sharing that kind of insight. That's that's an insight you don't hear every day. And I think that's a very important insight as we're doing ultras and training. and Yeah, and just, yeah. I guess we're like look, looking at the holistic yeah. view of health today. You know, yeah. look, at, look at all areas because it, it all affects your running. So big thank you. It goes out to BJ. And just a reminder, guys, we are launching our mini series here on show 100 where we are going to talk about the pillars of ultra running where we're going to give you guys six pillars of ultra running and we're going to release six episodes in a row just for you where you got coach jacob and coach melody helping you through and telling you our knowledge of how to game plan for your first time we're going to be releasing those episodes the week of May 22nd. After that, we're going to release an episode every other week and we're going to invite an expert on to talk about one of the pillars of ultra running. So 
It's going to be lots of fun. These will be more technical to help give you the tools to be able to finish that first. So we have the stories and then and now here's the techie, yes. techie stuff. The stories and the tools to get you across that finish line. Exactly. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100. And we will talk to you all next time. See you guys. Hey guys, it's Melody here. Thank you so much for listening to Trail. It means so much to us. I'm really excited to tell you about my coaching business where I help average Joes who are looking for a little bit more out of life do something big to find a little bit more purpose, direction, and meaning. Learn more on my Instagram at the Pine Tree Runner or on my website, melodybateman.biz. Links are in the show notes. I know what it's like to feel stagnant or like something's missing or like you just want more out of life. I was in the same spot. Jacob and I had just gotten married and we were both working nine to five jobs and we just were like, what do we do now? We, we just wanted something more and we listened to David Goggins book and we decided to sign up for a 50 mile race and since then, we've done 50s, we've done, Jacob's done a couple hundreds, I've done one 100 and, and running has changed our lives. I feel like I always have a goal to work towards. I feel accomplished and proud of myself. I feel like I have learned countless life lessons that have made me a better friend, a better wife, a better daughter, a better person. And I want to give back and help you do the same thing. I'm telling you, running can change your life. If you're ready to jump in and sign up for a race, whether it's three miles or 100 miles, I would be honored to help you cross the finish line. If you'd like to learn more or get in contact with me, find me on Instagram at the Pine Tree Runner or contact me through my website, melodybateman.biz. Links are in the show notes. You have so much potential and you are way stronger than you know. Let's find your strength because it's there just waiting to be tapped into.